Welcome to the Park Road Talkback Podcast for July 9th, 2020. Today's podcast is a conversation with Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor at Park Road Baptist Church with Russ Dean. I'm Bruce Holliday, Director of Communications at Park Road, and today we will be asking a few follow-up questions to the topic of Amy's sermon this past Sunday. The sermon was entitled, You is Kind, You is Smart, You is Important, How to Make a Difference in This World. Before we get started, let me remind everyone that if you've not heard the sermon yet, you can find it at the Park Road website, parkroadbaptist.org, under the Resources tab. Hello, Amy. How are you today? I'm great. Good to talk to you. Good. Can you uh, kind of get us up to speed on the sermon this past Sunday? Tell us a little bit about the topic and the, the context in which it was originally created and then and then given again on Sunday. Sure. Uh, if you're listening in, you may already know we're re-preaching some sermons from the last 10 years. And... Um, I went back to this sermon, uh, maybe because it was so hard to write. Um, I don't know. But I, I went back, and the context was in 2017, we had asked the congregation, what do you want to hear a sermon about? You know, throw us a question, give us a topic, uh, give us something you're wrestling with, and we'll try to craft a sermon around that. And uh, we put a little slip in the bulletin, and people could fill that out. And um, I remember this person sent in this question, I want to know, how do I make a real difference in the world? And uh, I, I remember us having some conversation about it, even. I didn't just take the question um, and run with it. I remember having conversation with him about that. And interestingly, I would have said, and anybody that uh, has guessed who it is would agree, he's the kind of person who's already making a difference in the world. So it made it extra hard. It's like, why didn't some kind of like no good lazy loser ask me this question? I could really give him some advice, but when it's somebody that's already doing so much in the world, um, how do I write a sermon about that? Um, so that's that's how this sermon was born, was somebody asking with great urgency and passion, how do I make a real difference in the world? I think he saw a ton of need. And I think he felt that he had a lot to give, and he was trying to make those two things come together. Um, and uh, some kind of pithy answer probably wasn't going to be good for him. Uh, as it turns out, I, I really struggled with finding an answer for this. But the answer, I thought, ultimately was do something. Is that correct? Yes, yes, it. I think that's what it boiled down to for me. Um, I, f- I found the pithy sayings and Googled things and found some heart-tugging, heart-wrenching stories to tell about people that had made a difference, a real difference. But it finally did come down for me, just do something, anything. Um, When I got ready to re-preach it, it does, um, everything sounds different and feels different these days in light of everything from uh, global pandemic to uh, racial injustice being marched out in the streets. So everything hears differently now than it did three years ago. Um, I think I preached it more passionately this time. I took out one of the stories that I had included last time and 
plopped in some current events, um, something to make it a little more 2020 sounding, and just realized in reworking the sermon, you have to be doing something to make a difference in the world. And, and do you think it's a, do you think it's an option when you say do something? Do you think it's an option just to to lean into your faith more fully, perhaps pray more, read the Bible more, go to church every Sunday and and leave it to God to fix the problems or is it mandatory? Is it critical that we actually get out there and do something in the world beyond the church and beyond our church family? Mandatory is a Word I don't love, (laughs) but um, as far when it comes to mandating people's faith and how they live it out, critical was a much better choice. I think. I think it is critical. I mean, I I think those things are hugely important for undergirding that sense of. um, We'll probably get into a little bit later. I talked about that feeling that you have in the pit of your stomach and your gut that lets you know something's wrong and, and talking about that as a, a way that we experience compassion and that should call us to do something. I think when we gather together with church family, when you pray, whether by yourself or in community, when you are reading your Bible and, and hearing the mandates that are, are given there, um, it should, all of that is important to nurture and strengthen you to do something to make the world more like God intended for it to be. And there's a great, great story. I use it all the time. Um, it's a uh, in the Jewish tradition, they have Midrash, which is stories about stories in, in the Bible. And so I found this great Midrash about the creation account um, years ago for written for children um, about how God created us. And it's this great story of uh, God creating us as partners to, and and the angels ask God, so is the world finished now? God had been making all these things, and the angels were saying, is it finished? Nope, not yet, not yet. i got to make something else. And when God finally makes human beings, the angels say, okay, is it finished now? And God says, I don't know. Go ask my partners. And I think that's such a great, description of how I understand our work in the world and God's work in the world. And I, I can remember years and years ago, somebody came to me, um, just their sister had been just diagnosed with cancer. And, and the sister was, all the sister wanted to do was just pray about it. I, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to leave it to God. And and the woman in my office was so angry with her sister. She's not doing any of the research. She's not doing any of the follow-up. She's not doing any of these things. I'm having to do all this stuff. And I said, well, maybe you're the answer to her prayers. Maybe she doesn't have what it takes right now to do all that work. And so she's praying to God, and God is putting on you to be the one to do the research and do the follow-up and get her to the appointments and you know, maybe her prayers are not for naught as long as you're answering them. So I, I think prayer is important. Church and Bible reading and devotion and all those things are really important to our life of faith. Um, but m- most of the time, many of the times, perhaps we are the answer to prayer and God is using us for one another in that way. 
Uh, but going back to that story, I just, I love that is the world finished that God is looking to us to say partners, how can we finish this? How can we complete it? Not finish as in, in the world, but, um, bring the world to what God intends it to be. Right. And you, you referenced earlier a feeling, uh, you talked during the sermon about the challenges we are facing here in 2020, pandemic, sickness, death, the economic hardship, uh, issues around excessive force by police officers and the Black Lives Movement. Um, so many instances in the world where people are being mistreated, oppressed, they're hungry, they don't have adequate health services. So as a layperson, it all feels so overwhelming, just yeah. completely overwhelming. And then you said, if you're not feeling sick to your stomach, you need to check your Jesus way, which I <laughs> thought was very interesting. So what did you mean by Jesus way and, and how do we check? Well, um, gosh, that was not written in 2017, and it was not written down in 2020 either. I got it was one of those moments where I'm preaching, and I had this is the this was in the section of the sermon I had added to. I had taken one section out from 2017 and put a 2020 section in, and I got a little bit on a roll. It was actually handwritten in my manuscript, just more in phrases instead of complete sentences, that list that you just rattled off. I I think even in the moment, you know, it's amazing how many things can go through your mind in a split second. Um, I remember standing there preaching it and looking down at my notes and reading those jotted off notes, um, that list, and all of a sudden social media actually came into my mind and looking at a lot of... um, posts that people have made and then comments that people have made, which is just like listening to people shout at each other and watching people dig their heels in and kind of keep their their own stance. I, I remember having that in my mind when I said, if, if you aren't looking at all these situations and feeling something like internal stirring within you, well, then you need to check your Jesus way. I mean, that not that what is calling us to do something about any of these situations? And I think we have um, gotten a little bit into shouting matches with each other as ways to defend what we believe about this or what we believe about that as far as what should be done. And most of the people talking to each other on social media aren't doing anything. <laughs> So it just I got so frustrated even in the moment of just thinking about that um, to say, it, you know, the call of Jesus is, I, I think I even mentioned this in our last podcast, it's aggravating and it's difficult. And I think you need to be checking in on, I don't particularly like the WWJD, what would Jesus do, uh, bracelet, slogan, motto, but you know, you need to be checking, checking your Jesus and and doing the things that he did and saying the things that he said. I just don't see a ton of people doing that these days, um, certainly not with any sense of love and grace and compassion. Right. So which, which 
brings me to a question about the the focus of the church on social justice. So I had a conversation recently with a member of my family who felt that an excessive focus on social justice by the church could be um, tantamount to worshiping a false idol, that there's, in their view, there's a lot more to being a Christian than advocating for social justice. Um, what? How would you have answered that? When I was a, a child and a, a teenager and, and young adult, especially the, the early teen years, um, I don't think I had any sense about social justice. I wouldn't have known what that was. I don't think if you had said those words, but I, for me then, faith was more about a personal relationship with God and a, a sense of kind of taking care of things here that ensured my eternal salvation. And there was a, a real sense of a privatized uh, faith. It was what is my memory of how I felt growing up that I don't want to put that off. That that's what my church taught. I'm just saying that's my memory of what I felt about faith. It was very much about my individual um, soul and my individual life and Jesus living in my heart and saving me from eternal damnation and, and to set my life then on a course that I would receive eternal salvation and about not going to hell and going to heaven. And, and then even I can remember as a, a child when missionaries would come and, and speak to our church, I, this is my memory of it. I can't, it might not be accurate, but my memory of it was that even, even in those circumstances, they were, their whole focus was taking Jesus to people so that they might be saved. And so that was what I grew up understanding, that that was what faith was about. Um, through seminary and beyond, I've come to understand, I don't think of this as, as much of a privatized, this is about me. I think of it as a collective. This is about us. And it's about way more than eternity. It's about the here and the now. And um, whatever, what is next is, I trust that to God and don't give a whole lot of thought to that. Um, but recognizing the hell that people live in right here and recognizing the abundance that people live in right here and the sense of joy and goodness that can be found in the here and now Um has shifted my focus um, and 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 my work. We just don't talk much about, or don't talk at all about uh, that sense of personal. Do you know you're right with the Lord, and do you does Jesus live in your heart, and do you accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior, so that you might be saved? Those are just not phrases that really come out of my mouth anymore. It's about it's about the love of God and the way of Jesus, and an understanding of a mystery that is beyond who I am and beyond who any of us are, uh, bringing us together and giving us, for Christians, an example in the way of Jesus of how to live and how to, how to be in the world. And his focus was clearly 
on others and most especially the most vulnerable. So if that's the Jesus way, then that's got to be my way. And that just to me inherently leads you to conversations that center around the well-being of people. There was also a point in the sermon where you related a story that I thought uh, that I enjoyed from Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. And she writes a blog called Monastery, and uh, she's talking about her encounter with a child. Could could you share that story? I, I thought the way you told it was wonderful. Yeah, it's actually a story that she wrote to her, uh, not a story, it's a letter that she wrote to her son. Um, she had she had said that she um, ran into somebody in the grocery store somewhere and as, and her son, who was eight years old, uh, the woman said, what a handsome boy. And what do you want to be when you grow up? And and her eight-year-old looked at her and said, I just plan to be brave and kind, ma'am. And, and Glennon said it was one of the best moments of my life. And so I knew then that they had spent a lot of time using the kind and brave phrase with their son. So I, I Googled that within her uh, website and came upon this letter that she had written to her son. So you want me to read that to you? That'd be great. Okay. Dear Chase, when I was in the third grade, there was a little boy in my class named Adam. Adam looked a little different. He wore funny clothes and sometimes he even smelled a little bit. Adam didn't smile. He hung his head low and he never looked at anyone at all. Adam never did his homework. I don't think his parents reminded him like yours do. The other kids teased Adam a lot. Whenever they did, his head hung lower and lower and lower. I never teased him but I never told the other kids to stop either. And I never talked to Adam, not once. I never invited him to sit sit next to me at lunch or to play with me at recess. Instead, he sat and played by himself. He must have been very lonely. I still think about Adam every day, and I wonder if Adam remembers me. Probably not. I bet if I'd asked him to play just once, he'd still remember me. I think that God puts people in our lives as gifts to us. The children in your class this year, they are some of God's gifts to you. So please treat each one like a gift from God, every single one. Baby, if you see a child being left out or hurt or teased, a part of your heart will hurt a little. Your daddy and I want you to trust that heartache. Your whole life, we want you to notice and trust your heartache. That heartache is called compassion, and it is God's signal to you to do something. It's God saying, Chase, wake up. One of my babies is hurting. Do something to help. Whenever you feel compassion, be thrilled. It means God is speaking to you, and that is magic. It means God trusts you and needs you. And sometimes the magic of compassion will make you step into the middle of a bad situation right away. Compassion might lead you to tell a teaser to stop it and then ask the tease kid to play. You might invite a left out kid to sit next to you at lunch. You might choose a kid for your team first who usually gets chosen last. These things will be hard to do, but you can do hard things. When God speaks to you by making your heart hurt for another, by giving you compassion, just do something. Please don't ignore God whispering to you. I so wish I had not ignored God when God spoke to me about Adam. I remember God trying. I remember feeling compassion, but I chose fear over compassion. I wish I hadn't, Chase. We do not care if you're the smartest or the fastest or the coolest or the funniest. There will be lots of contests at school, and we don't care if you win a single one of them. We don't care if you get straight A's. 
We don't care if the girls think you're cute or whether you're picked first or last for kickball at recess. We don't care if you're the teacher's favorite or not. We don't care if you have the best clothes or the most Pokemon cards or the coolest gadgets. We just don't care. We don't send you to school to become the best at anything at all. We already love you as much as we possibly could. You do not have to learn our, earn our love or pride, and you can't lose it. That's done. We send you to school to practice being brave and kind. Just be kind and brave. That's all you ever need to be. Take care of your classmates. Of your, take care of those classmates of yours and your teacher too. You belong to each other. Love, Mama. So that I remember being moved when I listened to you on Sunday and hearing it again. It's even more powerful. It just really resonated with me that we miss so many opportunities to step into people's lives and to make an immediate and profound impact. And this is the point where I jumped in with that other list we talked about earlier of what's happening in 2020. All of those situations are are Adam. And I, I thought about all the people that are dying and sick and grieving. And, and I thought about all the people that are lonely and wondering when this is going to be over and are suffering from mental and emotional unhealth in this situation. And then I thought about black friends that, I mean, there's just so much, so many quote Adams hap- happening right now. And I was you know, I read this letter and thought, man, I wish I had read this letter to my kids. I wish I had written this letter to my kids. Um, but the truth is we all get very hung up on how we want our kids to grow up and be the best and the brightest and the most successful. And we forget to tell them this is what it really is all about. And I, I think that's where I was really starting in delivering the sermon this time to feel more impassioned about that Um my dad uh, always, I've told this story so many times, especially early on when we were here, but so many people know that this was my my lecture on the first day of school every morning. I mean, on the first day of school every year, my dad would say, Amy, do you know right from wrong? Act like you've got parents. Well, and I would say, yes, sir, I know right from wrong. Act like you've got parents. Yes, sir. And the Lord don't love ugly. <laughs> and I think that was his uh, very condensed version of this letter. Um, somebody has said I needed to change that to, uh, do you know right from wrong? Uh, act like you've got good parents. Because <laughs> everybody's not teaching their children this way. But um, I do think... I pass that on to our children. Uh, they they can probably recite that to you, the condensed version. But I think she really hits on something here, which is really where a lot of the things in the sermon came out of of this, um, of the, out of her letter to her son. Well, that's the way I need to look at the world. I need to stop thinking about changing the world and just working to make some kind of difference. Well, and when you do something to change one person's world, you have changed their world. So, you know, if you don't have a home and you provide a home, the world has changed for that person. Um, So trying to, you know, we aren't all called to change the, all the systems and all the, we don't have that kind of power or impact or influence in the world, but 
whatever I can do for anybody is changing their world. And as you said, you don't know what that change in their life, how that might manifest itself. Yeah. In other people's lives. Yeah. What what part of the grand story are you playing that makes small or great impact that moves that person forward? And I've said this so many times, especially in this, the racial tension that's going on. Um, I've talked about the meme that I saw about, you know, as long as you're moving toward justice, just put your foot on the pedal. You, you, everybody's not in the same lane to get there. Just ride in your lane and put your foot on the accelerator. So uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, put you on the spot here. So the, the original question is, how can I make a difference in this world? So do you, Amy Jackstein, do you feel like that you're making a difference in the world? And to make that a little bit broader, is a place like Park Road Baptist Church, is it making a difference in the world? And, and how so? had an interesting text after the, uh, a day or two after the sermon with someone that doesn't go to our church but had listened in clearly we were having this text conversation and um, I was relaying a story that someone had, had talked to me about. And um, the, the text came back to me, you're making a difference. And I wrote back, you know, the laugh emoji, LOL, you listen to the sermon. <laughs> um, you know, it's a very awkward answer. Why? Yes, Bruce. I think I'm making a real difference in the world. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I hope so. I mean, isn't that what everybody wants, to feel like you're making a difference um, in somebody's world? Um, and in different seasons of your life, you're making uh, differences in different arenas. You know, when you're parenting small children, you're making a huge difference in their world, just feeding them and loving them and teaching them the way of love and justice and grace at such formative years. And so I think we would all, I would hope we would all want to feel that we are making a difference in the world. And I have determined that probably the people that feel the least amount of success around making a real difference are probably the ones doing it the best because they're never satisfied um, and always want to make more of a difference. And, um, and humility says, oh, it's not me, it's somebody else. And then the bigger question of the church, oh, man, I hope Park Road is making a difference in people's lives. I, I did receive responses from people about this sermon, maybe more than usual, and, and people turning my words back to me. I had used that line from The Help, the movie uh, book and movie, You is Kind, You is Important, You is Smart, You is Important. A couple of people sent that back to me, um, which was really kind. And it, to me, showed their kindness more than mine. Um, but it made a difference in my day. And so, you know, how we speak to one another and the things we say to each other really does matter. And it really does make a difference. Um, and yet when I look at Park Road Baptist Church, oh, there's so much more I want to be doing and think we could be doing and should be doing and, you know, getting churches to decide on what those things are and moving an institution in a direction is a pretty slow and laborious process. But I hope we're making a difference. And I, I hope we're headed, we, we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I hope we continue to ask ourselves that question and never get complacent with the differences we've already made. 
So one last question for you, and we'll wrap this up. We, so the, the genesis of this sermon was someone asking you the question, how can I make a difference? And when you preached the sermon three years ago, uh, their response uh, was, I guess they were ambivalent about whether or not you'd answered their question. <laughs> I think so said, you, I said, did I answer your question? He said, not really. <laughs> So, not very, not very time. <laughs> okay. I was I was trying to be nice. Um, but this time, do you do you believe uh three years on, uh with a little bit more time, a little bit more perspective, do you think you answered this question? Interestingly, I did not tell him that I was re preaching this sermon. Uh I was pretty sure he would be listening. Um and as soon as the sermon was over at 11.42. So I had literally just sat down from preaching. Um, I get a text from him that has the heart emoji, and it, he says, it did a much better job of answering my question this time. I think I heard your words more clearly. So I dug a little bit deeper with him about that and said it, it felt different to me this time, and it, maybe it's just the time that we're in. And he said, I certainly heard it better this time. And some of that's probably three years down the road of trying. I thought that was so interesting. You know, his question came to me so passionately, so urgently. I felt like he was already making a difference in the world. But I can say in the last three years, he's made a much bigger difference in the world than before three years ago. And so not because of my sermon, but because he's been trying Um Right. So I, I think that I felt better about it this time. But he said he also said I heard more passion in you this time than the first time I preached it. And I think the world is calling us to be more passionate right now. Right. And I think also it's good for us to all understand that we probably should give ourselves more credit mm. than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think um, we, we kind of sell ourselves short thinking, well, I, I've not, I've not cured cancer today. Yeah. So I've not made a difference. It, it's not really about that. Well, and I was so heartened by how many people started texting me, guessing who it was. And mm-hmm. he, this person was a guest a good many times, but wow, he was in good company of a lot of guesses, which you know, clearly it was a man I was talking about, so nobody guessed women. There would have been many women people could have guessed too. But I, it made me feel so warm. It, it made me feel so happy to see this list of men's names that people in our church see as someone who passionately and urgently wants to make a difference. And wow, people should be surrounded by people like that. And that's that's a gift of church. You get to be surrounded by people like that. The church gets all the bad rap for being full of hypocrites, and we are. Um, we're also full of people trying to make a difference in the world. Well, you know, we, we talk about limiting these to 25 <laughs> minutes, and you and I always oh, manage to blow way past that. <laughs> so, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> edit and cut, edit and cut. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. It's just, it's always great to spend a few moments with you in conversation. Same here. It's fun. And of course, thank you to our listeners. We invite you to share this podcast with your friends and family. You can always find it at the Park Road website, or you can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, and on TuneIn. Thank you for listening today. Grace and peace to you.